One little short scripture I want to share with you tonight. It's found in Romans chapter 1, and it's just the first part of the verse, verse 25. It's going to set the theme for what I want us to look at. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that our hearts might be uh, tender and, and ready to uh, hear what you have to say to us. That we'll hear it and that we'll understand it and that we'll apply it and that we'll be found obedient to your word. For it asks that in Jesus' name. Amen. I know standing here in all this uh, urbane sophistication, you probably can't believe this, but I, I was raised on a ranch. And uh, one of the things that I miss, because I haven't been on the ranch in about 20-some years now, and one of the things that I miss is early mornings just standing around the fire. We used to go down to the headquarters of the ranch, um, 6, 6.30 in the morning, and uh, I remember we used to have an oil barrel there, and we'd throw in a couple of logs, start a little fire every morning, and all the hands would stand around, and we would talk, and we would visit some before we went out to work. And as we stood around that barrel, we would tell always, of course, a few stretchers. And, of course, a stretcher is what you might call a, a, a tall tale. It was just a, a form of entertainment. But you see, in the old, in the West, in the New West, telling stretchers is, is sort of hung over from the Old West. That's what they did in the Old West, too. And one of the reasons, of course, that they told stretchers in the Old West is because... Uh, it was a form of entertainment. If you're around a campfire at night on the cattle drive, there's no television, there's no radio, there's no newspapers, there's nothing to read. There, you haven't seen anybody different than these same six, eight, ten guys for the last three months. And so you invent some stories to entertain each other. There were always stretchers in the Old West. One of the best at telling stretchers, I guess, was Jim Bridger. Now, one of the reasons that Jim told stretchers was that when he told the truth, nobody believed him either. So he figured he might as well just tell stretchers. That is, after he had been into Yellowstone and came back to St. Louis and he began to tell people all about what he saw in Yellowstone, they didn't believe him. In fact, the St. Louis newspaper had a headline, Jim Bridger is a liar. So Bridger decided if nobody believed him anyway, he might as well stretch him a little bit and really tell some good stories. Bridger had a story about, he said, you know, uh, he, he came back east, he said, you know, you people back east, you have the echo points where you, you go to a place and you, you yell hello, and pretty soon, you know, hello, 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 the echo comes back. He said, well, I want to tell you out west near Yellowstone, they have Echo Canyon. He says, it's huge. He said, when I camp next to Echo Canyon, he says, at night, he says, after having my supper, he said, to put away the grub and I put away uh, uh, everything, and I got my bedroll out there. He says, I go right over to the edge of the canyon. And I yell, Bridger, it's time to get up. And he said, then I just go back and go to bed. He said, about eight hours later, it comes rolling up the canyon. Bridger, it's time to get up. He said, now that's an Echo Canyon. There was another time Bridger was talking, and uh, he was talking about hunting. He said, you know, out there, there's all sorts of obsidian mountains, you know, a black, shiny obsidian. He said, in fact, some of the obsidian mountains are, well, they're just like nothing that we have back here in the East. He said, one time he, I was up there in Yellowstone, and he says, up on the upper part of the river, he said, I, was, I came out in a little meadow, a little clear. I looked across the meadow, and he says, there was a big elk, big bull elk. He said, I Easy shot. He said, no problem. I just put my rifle on my shoulder. I squeezed off around, blasted away, and I missed him. 
He said, I couldn't believe it. What couldn't have been more than a 50, 75 yards away, I missed him. And not only that, he said, the elk didn't move. It didn't jump, didn't run, didn't do anything, just standing there. He said, I was so mad. I said, he said, I put another load in. I threw the gun up to my shoulder. I shot again. And I missed him. And he didn't run. He said, I, I, I thought for a minute maybe it was a deaf elk. He said, I was so mad I didn't have time to reload. He said, I just ran over there. I was just going to hit that elk alongside of the head. He said, I took 20 steps and I ran smack into a clear glass obsidian mountain. He said, come to find out, it was acting as a magnifier. He said, that elk was 25 miles away. <laughs> Old Jim Bridger liked to tell stretchers. Well, when he went back and started telling about Yellowstone and he started talking about that hot water boiling up around there and people were fascinated by these stories of, of Yellowstone, he said, you know, there's boiling water coming up out of the ground. He said, and there's lots of good fish over in that cold Yellowstone Lake. He said, sometimes we go over there and we catch our mess of fish in the lake. He said, we can just take our string of fish and we can hike back into one of those boiling pots of water and we just dip them right down there and cook them right on the string. He said, but he said, you know, if you know the right place, it's even easier than that. He said, there is a place where you can stand right on the bank of Yellowstone Lake and you can catch your fish. You can pull him up out of the water. You can just turn around and just lower him into one of those hot pots and cook him right like that. But he said, you know the best place to fish? He said, only I know where this is, but he said the best place. He says, there's one of those places where there's a hot boiling pot of water that boils over and goes right into the lake. And he said, if you get right next to it and you drop your line down through the hot water into the cold water, so you can catch a fish and pull him up real slow and he'll just cook as he comes right up. You see, in the Old West, there were plenty of stretchers. Now, the problem with stretchers, of course, is that people start believing the stretchers. They were never meant to be believed, but somehow people start believing stretchers. You know, I find this true in my own life. The first time I ever wrote a Western novel was called The Land Tamers. And uh, as I was working on it, the publisher was telling me that they decided to change the line and, and they decided that was going to be the last uh, of the Western novels they're going to write. In other words, it wasn't going to be a series. It's just going to be one novel. And so at the last page of that book, I wrote an epilogue of what happened to all the characters in the novel. Uh, because people kind of like to know, well, what happened to that guy later on? So I wrote an epilogue. The last paragraph of the epilogue was all about the hero, Sandy Thompson and his wife, Mallory. And I said in that last paragraph that the clock that was given to them as a wedding anniversary gift was now housed at the Winchester Historical Museum in Winchester, Idaho. We have had how many? I don't know how many people have driven to Winchester, Idaho to see that clock. Now, we do happen to have a, a museum. It's in the basement of the old abandoned gym, and it's open about six, eight days a year. And there's a little old lady that's in charge of the museum. And people started driving, some people drove hundreds of miles to see this clock of the Thompsons there. Well, as people began to ask this lady about it, she got to be worried why she didn't have this clock in the museum. And so last fall, now the book's out of print, but last fall, she found the clock. <laughs> it is now in the museum in Winchester. 
And if you happen to be there on one of the days that she's there, she'll tell you all about the family because she knew them when she was just a kid. They lived just north of town. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, some stretches are repeated so often you begin to believe them. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sandy Thompson came up and introduced himself to me someday. But you know, it's funny to talk about stretchers when we're talking about the Old West or even the New West when we know what they are. But you know, tonight I want to talk about some spiritual stretchers. You see, there are some people that have repeated spiritual stretchers so often that they believe them. And that gets to be sad. And in fact, it gets to be fatal. Let me give you what I think are three spiritual stretchers, three lies that have been repeated so often, most folks in America believe them. Here's the first one. God will give me another chance. People believe that. They believe that uh, life is sort of a, uh, like a rodeo and... Uh, they're going to get a re-ride. You know what a re-ride is in a rodeo. If you're riding rough stock, that is, if you're riding a saddle bronc, or you're riding a bareback, or you're riding a bull, and the animal does not perform well, you get a re-ride. Uh, we were down at the, the uh, Snake River Stampede in Nampa a few weeks back, and Tuff Hedeman, one of the top bull riders in the country, was on a white bull, and he came out, and the bull took a couple of steps, kind of fell over to its side, <laughs> laid there for a while, got back up again. It was not a good um, opportunity for the rider to show his skill. And so the stock contractor gave him a re-ride. That is, he got to go back and get on another bull. And that one didn't count. Well, you see, some people think that life is sort of that way. And that is, God is always going to give me another chance. No matter what I've done, God's going to give me another chance. No matter how many times I reject the gospel, God's going to give me another chance. No matter if I, if I, if I hear the uh, altar call, if I hear the message of salvation, or if, uh, if a neighbor shares faith with me, no matter what, I can always reject it because I'm going to get another chance. And these same people believe that even after I die, somehow God's going to give me another chance. That's the way God is. Well, I want to tell you right now, there isn't another rewrite. Mankind got bucked off in the Garden of Eden, and this is the re-ride right now. You and I don't get any other chance. The Scriptures say in Hebrews 9.27, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. Romans 2.4 says, I do not think lightly of the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience. Do you not know that the kindness of God leads to repentance? Hebrews 10.31 reminds us it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You and I are on the only re-ride we're going to get. And if you or your loved ones or those around you or your neighbors or those people you work with are hanging on to this spiritual stretch or think God's going to always give them another chance, they're wrong. And that's a lie. That's not the only lie some people believe. Let me share another. Another spiritual Stretcher. Repeated so often, people begin to believe it's true. The second one is this. My life has been so bad that God's given up on me. I've heard that so many times that some people, I guess, actually believe it. I wonder what would happen if they ever had a rodeo that, uh, <laughs> that nobody ever uh, successfully completed. That is, let's say they had bull riding. 
And nobody stay on the ball. Uh, if you don't stay on the ball, you get a zero. And uh, if, if the next guy didn't stay on the ball, he gets a zero. Now, normally they pay four places or sometimes six places. That is the guy with the highest score, second highest, third highest, four highest, or maybe on down to six. But let's say nobody stays on. they got all this prize money stacked up there. Nobody stays on. Now, some guys would stay on their bull for seven and a half seconds. You have to stay on eight seconds, which is pretty short unless you happen to be on the bull. <laughs> now, some guys might stay on seven and a half seconds, but they get a zero. Some guys are bucked off right there coming out of the gate. They get a zero. Everybody gets a zero. Suppose everybody got a zero. Where does that prize money go? Nobody gets it. Now, I want to tell you, in life, we have all been bucked off. Now, it is true, some got bucked off at the gate, and some lasted several seconds, but we've all been bucked off. The Scriptures say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So he gets that prize. If the prize is eternal life, and nobody's made it to full eight seconds, who gets that prize? Well, that prize is given to whoever God wants to give it to. And you see, he's already decided that he'll give it to those who believe in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you tonight, God has not given up on you. God has not given up on your loved ones. God has not given up on your neighbors, <laughs> no matter who your neighbors are. God has not given up on those people at work. And I'll tell you why. Because you and they aren't as bad as you think they are. There is still some hope. God hasn't given up because He is greater than our insults. You ever heard people insult God? Every time His name's used in vain, it's an insult to God. But He's greater than our insults. God hadn't given up on us because Jesus' work on the cross is allowed all the time it needs to do its work and complete its task. God hadn't given up on us yet because it's still possible for you and I to live lives that are useful to Him. Now, your life is not and has not been so bad that God's given up on you. Your loved one's life, maybe a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a son or a daughter or a neighbor, or a person down the street has not been so bad that God's given up on them. They still have a chance, and so do you. Here's a third lie, a third spiritual stretcher. Some people have told this one so often they believe it, and that is any old faith will do as long as you believe in something. I was at a rodeo not too long ago where a kid got injured in a, riding a buck and stock, and he got hurt pretty bad, and he was laying out there, and the EMTs came out, and the ambulance came out, and they were about ready to carry him off. And the rodeo announcer, wanting to say something and do something, and uh, being kind, considered person, uh, was saying now, he said, you know, we ought to have some prayer for this young man. And he said uh, something to this effect. He said, in whatever form you conceive God, in whatever that term means to, to you, we would like for you to seek and to petition your form of deity on behalf of this young man. Now, when somebody says that, you know why I call that no rules faith. A lot of people believe in no rules faith. Just whatever you believe in is fine as long as you believe in something. 
Can you imagine other events in life where there were no rules? I was thinking about that uh, at the rodeo. What would it be like to have a no rules rodeo? Let's say no rules, calf roping. Now in calf roping, you back your horse in the box. You got a calf there in a, in a chute. He runs out. All you got to do is ride out there. You rope him. You go down the rope. You flank him. That is, you pick him up, throw him down, grab three legs, tie a pig and string around him. Yeah, a couple times, put a half itch in there, throw your hands up, time to vent. And you see how fast you can do it. See if you can do it faster than everybody else. But what about no rules, calf roping? I mean, couldn't you be back in the box, calf runs up, you shoot him, bang. <laughs> <laughs> you hop, you run down there, grab three legs, time. Well, he's not going to kick loose. No rules. Wouldn't that be fun? How about no rules, bull riding? See, I, I think I can go for this. You cover that bull with Velcro. <laughs> then you put on your Velcro pants. Whap! Whap! And you just go... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> I don't know how you'd ever get off. <laughs> no rules rodeo. No, but some people believe in no rules faith. I want to tell you that faith has rules. And the rules are pretty plain. Let me remind you. What the scriptures say about the rules. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That's the rules. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's the rules. You see, there is one narrow way to heaven. And when the announcer came on that microphone and asked people to pray for that young man, he should have said, pray in Jesus' name, because that's the rules. But you see, we have repeated some of those spiritual stretchers so often that some people begin to believe them. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the rule. Now, you see, I think those are serious spiritual stretchers. That God will give me another chance, or that I'm so bad God's given up, or uh, any old faith will do as long as I believe in something. You know, I think it's our old nature to believe lies, isn't it? That's what Romans 1.25 says. For they exchange the truth of God for lies. It's a shocking thing how many people have repeated those things so often that they now believe them. In the Old West, when you were around the campfire, you could tell all the stories you want. But at some point, when you were sitting around the fire, if you cleared your throat and you said, now, speaking for the ranch, everyone around the fire knew from that point on whatever you said was absolutely true. When you spoke for the ranch, you were telling the truth. And they could bank on it. Well, I'm speaking for the ranch tonight. And I'm telling you that those are spiritual lies that you don't have to believe anymore. And if you're still clutching onto those lies, it's time to grab onto the truth and understand what God has in store for you and me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you know the hearts of everyone here. And uh, I don't. And uh, there could be uh, a few of us here that are sort of clutching on to some spiritual stretchers. Maybe these that I mentioned, maybe it's something else. But 
Lord, just because we've said it over and over all our life doesn't make it true. And Father, maybe there's some here that need to start this week by acknowledging who you are and realizing that uh, this is the chance right now tonight that you've given them and there's no guarantee of any other. And maybe there's some here that uh, Lord feel like uh, they've just done too many things that they'd sort of like to be right with you and fellowship with you and like to be like some of these others they see, but uh, they're sure that whatever's happened in their past has just been too bad. Lord, help them understand what a lie that is. Help them understand, Lord, that not one of us in this room made it the full eight seconds. We all got bucked off, and it's only by your love and grace that we know you at all. And Father, we're all sort of brought here by believing in something. If we believed in nothing, we'd probably not be here tonight. But Lord, you didn't say for us just to believe in something. You said we had to believe in Jesus Christ, your only Son, our only salvation. Help us make sure that we got that straight. Father, the world keeps telling stretchers to us. And sometimes they're repeated so often we begin to believe them. So bring us this week back to your word where the truth really is. And we'll hang on to that truth and then we'll live it for your sake and for your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.